All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Socially Connected 360, number 23 is in the house. That's right, number 23. We're ending uh, our season. Uh, it's December. We're excited to have our wonderful guest at number 23, Mr. AJ Swirl. He is the director now of communications at PBS 39 and uh, 91.3 WLVR, uh, Lehigh Valley NPR radio. So we're excited to have him on our show. He has someone that has given back time and time again to those in need and is someone that we're going to look forward to talking to today. The episode starts now. everybody welcome back welcome back socially connected 360 number 23 like i said earlier number 23 is in the house i got my main man someone who i've seen work in the community i remember meeting him at one of the festivals family days that we did in allentown uh he came up to me at that time we introduced each other because we saw each other online and man let me tell you from that moment i knew this this uh gentleman as humble as he seemed i knew he was going to do some tremendous work in our community mr a AJ Swirl is in the house. AJ, how you doing, man? How's everything going? Man, I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for the invite. I mean, episode number 23, I, I feel like a certain kind of pressure because, you know, 23, that, that, that's a big number, man. You know, the GOAT is number uh, yeah. 23. So I guess we, we have to make a good show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. 23. It is what it is, man. Uh, you know, you got to you got to live, the, live up to those shoes, but <laughs> live up to live up to Jordan, I guess. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So how's everything going, man? Family's good. Everybody's good. Yeah, everybody's doing good. You know, we, we just got back from Thanksgiving break. Um, you know, I, it, it's always great when you have that that break, you know, at the end of the year to kind of refocus and everything. Took some time to go visit family, get down to North Carolina, got away from the cold for a little bit. But we're back. We're ready to go through December right on into the new year. You know, hopefully with with some new things right around the corner that, you know, we'll 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 be talking about. Oh, man, that's great. That's great. So North Carolina. So I got a quick question before we get into this, before we get into AJ. Uh, you know, obviously, like I said, like I tell folks all the time, you know, this show right here is to connect you with individuals like AJ uh, who work hard in our community, who've done wonderful things. Um, but I, we want to get you to know them even deeper. Right. But real quick, before we do that, North Carolina. Is there, are there a lot, I, I do cycling, you know, of course people see all my, all my yeah. stuff on social media, but they got, I heard North Carolina is pretty good for cycling. Do you know anything about a that? Of, a lot of great trails down there, man. Uh, you know, my sister-in-law actually lives in Southeastern North Carolina, as, as hard as that is to understand, <laughs> like, just outside of Charlotte. Right. So okay, where she lives, I, I could, you could basically walk or drive or cycle right into South Carolina. And a lot of people do that. 
you know, um, and you know, you go back there and you see the trails and you, you can, you can see why it is that people move down there and like to live down there. It's just a different style of life. People go cycling. It was like 70 degrees when we were down there last week. So there was a lot of people out there on the road cycling for sure. So yeah, definitely, you, you definitely got to go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will. Uh, just a quick story. I had a, I was, um, and when I was before, when I retired from the Navy, um, I, I had met a high ranking official who, um, uh, who actually was a big cyclist. I mean, this guy will wake up at four o'clock in the morning to go cycling and, uh, you know, two, three hours before even the workday. And he was from, he was from North Carolina. And I would say, man, it's beautiful. Cause I was down in Florida and I was like, man, it's beautiful down here to cycle. It's probably really nice. And he looked at me crazy. He's like, you have no idea. So, <laughs> so I wanted to get a second opinion on that. Yeah, no, no, but definitely it's a beautiful place to go. Definitely awesome. recommend going there. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll check it out. So let's get right into it, man. So AJ, uh, I know you, I, of course, when Puerto Rico got hit hard, uh, we've, we've all worked, we worked hard for, for that and we'll get into that later, but let's look, talk a little bit about, you know, you, you know, uh, where did you grow up and, and, and your beginning, how did, tell us a little bit about that. Let me tell you something, man. It's like, I feel so blessed from the, from the guy up above because, um, you know, when I think about my story and how far, you know, I've come in life. Uh, you, you can only say that it, it's a super, supernatural. You know, it's it's God. It, you know, it's all God. But um, I tell people, I'm just a, I'm just a Dominican kid from Brooklyn, man. That that's wow. where it started for me. Um, you know, my parents both came um, from the Dominican Republic back in the in the 70s. You know, and uh, we were born and raised in 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 Brooklyn, New York. Um, you know, I was the only Spanish kid in a very diverse community. And I think that even back then it was kind of setting me up to live, you know, in a diverse community and, and be around, you know, a lot of different cultures and a lot of people from different walks of life. But, uh, you know, just growing up, my, my parents worked hard, you know, they came here, they, 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 they instilled in us, you know, a sense of working hard for what you believe in, but a sense of community too. It's not just about you taking care of yourself, but it's taking care of the people around you. And also being proud of who you are, you know, mm. I've always been proud wherever I've been to say, you know, that I'm Dominican, I'm Hispanic, I'm Latino, um, even in rooms where I'm the only one there, because I think that, um, you know, we need to be represented. And uh, it, it's just been uh, an amazing experience, you know, everywhere I've been to be, to represent my community. And, and that's that's the thing that I'm most proud of. You know, I, I grew up in New York, like I said, went to high school in Brooklyn. I um, went to community college in New York, um, graduated from Bronx Community College back in 1998. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, um, something interesting happened. I, I dropped out of school, you know, mm. and, and, I, and I went and I started working um, in customer service. And um, anybody who's been in customer service knows that, you know, you can make money in customer service, but it really takes a toll on you because, you know, people just want to hit you with, you know, all this, all the anger and all the angst. Oh, yeah, oh my God. And so, um, so I did that for, um, for a good 15 years. And then, um, you know, as my parents started to get older, um, I started to reanalyze my life. You know, they, they, they started to age and get to the point where, you know, they were close to, um, you know, being very elderly. They passed away um, right around when I was 40. So it was kind of a, a, a a moment for me to kind of take a step back and say, you know, is this really what I want to do, want to do for the rest of my life is, is, is being customer service. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, for sure. But, you know, 
I decided to go after my passion, which really was communications and serving people. And, um, you know, like, like you've mentioned before, that actually led me to, to, um, a path, uh, with the American Red Cross, which, um, is kind of where, you know, the, the story for most people around here starts. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I know. And I remember, man, but, but real quick. So, so I just did a piece on, uh, Rigo Peralta, um, Dominican as well. And I'm telling you, man, both of your stories to, to come here, to, 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 to make it to where you're at now, it goes to show young folks when you're watching this today, folks, young folks, and even older folks, if you're struggling, you can still do um, what you love to do and you can still make it. You just, you just got to keep chugging away and we're going to figure out how to do it here with, uh, with AJ. So, so tell us about your family though. You have, um, you have a wife, a couple kids. Yep. So, uh, you know, my wife and I are both originally from New York. Uh, right after 9-11, um, I actually left New York um, and I came to Reading to live with my parents. They were living in Reading at the time. So when my wife and I started dating, she was still living in New York. I was living in Reading. When we mm-hmm. decided to get married, we were like, OK, well, we're not going to live in New York. We're not going to live in Reading. Let's try to find somewhere in between. And that's how we landed in the Lehigh Valley. So um, I, I, you know, and the thing is, like, I remember coming to the Valley in 03, 04. It was a much different place, you know, yeah, yeah. like you go down to Center City and I remember all those buildings being run down and, mm-hmm. you know, just like all the crime and everything. And um, just to be here during this time and just see like a renaissance of not just not just Allentown, but the Lehigh Valley as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the sense of hope that people have now with all the changes that are happening, um, you know, in administrations and um, just development and things like that. There's just so many exciting things going on. So we, we are we are so excited to be living here during this time. Um, you know, both of my kids actually attend school here in the Valley as well. They both go to charter school. They're both musicians, uh, just like dad. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man. I mean, we we t- we totally love it, and uh, we'd love getting out to events. You know, talking to people, just being around our community. Because I mean, I, there's just so it's such a such a, a melting pot you know, in our community of, of people from different walks of life and experiences. And it's just so beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I, I was born and raised here and I can, I saw the, the, the end of a, of an era in the eighties uh, from the Hess era to the canopies. When you walk down Hamilton street where you could walk and not get wet. Cause they had like these, these canopies. I don't know if you remember. And then uh, they yeah, got rid of all that. Yeah. And then it's kind of, like you said, it kind of went down and then the influx of, uh, of, of, of the Niz and, and all that uh, was actually, uh, in my opinion, uh, what, well, it was what, what was needed, you know, um, be able to, to create some energy down there. And, and then obviously just the Lehigh Valley is an all, is, is, is just a wonderful time. You're right. So, um, so let's talk about it, man, real quick. You end up at Red Cross. I remember immediately you, I saw you at the event at the family day we did at the arts park. I, ne- I didn't see, I, I mean, I, I saw you and I'm like, man, who is this guy? Like you're going everywhere. You're meeting it. You're, you're already like, you're, you're working hard just to meet everybody there. Uh, how does that, how do you get to red cross and, and how does that, how does that come about? Well, you remember how we talked about how I dropped out of school? Yeah. Um, so like I said, uh, you know, as you know, my parents passed away, I turned 40. I actually decided to go back to school, you know, and uh, went back and I got my bachelor's degree. Um, 
And an interesting thing happened when I, the month that I graduated my, with my bachelor's degree, um, I got laid off from my job. So, um, so I'm like, man, what do I do? It's like, you know, and it happened right around Christmas too. So that's even worse, you know, like, uh, like a bittersweet moment. It's like, yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah, literally. So, so it's like, you know, literally the week before Christmas, I had just gotten laid off and I said, you know what, what do I want to do? Do, do, do I want to jump into another job? Do I want to try to, you know, advance my education even more? So I made the decision to actually just jump into a, a master's program for 13 months. And, um, you know, the first six months, you know, I was getting unemployment. So that kind of helped, but mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the last six months I started jumping into the whole entrepreneur thing and just using the skills that I had to, you know, just kind of support myself through those last six months so I could really concentrate on school and just get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, just graduating with a master's degree just gave me such a sense of accomplishment and, and really a sense of confidence you know, that I started applying for jobs and just started realizing, okay, I want to use my, my communication skills. I want to use my skills with videography and other things to really help and serve my community. Mm -hmm. uh, and an opportunity had opened up with, with the Red Cross, you know, they were looking for somebody to support, not just Allentown, but also Reading and Philadelphia. So that whole area, you know, wow. so they, we need somebody who's Latino. So who speaks Spanish and, um, uh, it, it worked out, you know, um, I, I was, I was hired and, and then three months after I'm hired, right. We have the car bombing, you mm. know, in, yep. in downtown Allentown. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that was, that was the first real test of the metal. Um, and you know, again, in that situation, I kind of, it was my first taste of seeing, okay, people really do come together when bad things happen mm -hmm. because I saw Cynthia Moda. I saw Miguel Morales. I saw you, I saw, you know, the, the Allentown police department, the fire department, every, I just thought everybody just came together at a time of need and rally around the community and really support people. And, and I'm not just talking about just in the immediate, but in the weeks, in the months after just providing mental health services and, and making sure that people had what they needed to get through that, you know, in that, in that situation, Fountain street fire that happened uh, the year after that is kind of yeah. like, I got connected with Yamalisa and, you know, um, and oath and a lot of the other organizations. And again, it kind of reinforced this concept of, you know, when, when bad things happen, the neighbors around really do rally uh, around the community that's affected and, and, and help the community. And, and that, that, that was just so impactful for me to see, you know, mm -hmm. that it really kind of confirmed for me, like, yeah, you know, I, I am, I really am doing what, what, what I really want to do by, by being closely connected to helping the community. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's a big thing about our, the Lehigh Valley again. Um, and, and especially Allentown, you know, there are organizations, nonprofits, and even just individuals and churches and, and, uh, and government agencies that, that really come together when those things happen, man. And um, we've seen it time and time again, and you see the same faces and the same leadership and the same uh, individuals with, with that drive to want to help people and it's contagious. Right. Um, and so that's why I tell people, man, when you see this, you know, document it, you know, uh, share it. I mean, a lot of people ask me, you know, and you share a lot. I'm like, I share a lot because it's, it's, it's either me or, not, you know, not, not that the media, media can't be everywhere, you know, and especially real time. Um, but it's good for, for us. You know, we have the power with social media to share all the good things that, that all of you and, and all these organizations are doing to help people and it becomes contagious, you know? So, yeah, man, I feel you on that. So, 
So we talked, uh, you talked a little bit about those incidences. Um, walk me through uh, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest incidences or uh, one of the biggest things that we had to go through uh, with Puerto Rico. Uh, I know that I, st- you know, I, I went, I went with uh, Councilwoman Olga Negron. Um, and some other folks um, to to try to help uh, raise some money at Bethlehem Steel Stacks. Um, I know you went to Puerto Rico. Tell me how that was, man, because I, I we weren't able to go over there. Um, how how was that over there? Well, the, I guess I, I got to start by by telling you that when I when I first came on with the Red Cross, like uh, and and I you know it's going through the interview process and talking to them about taking a position with them. One of the things that really drove me there was Hurricane Maria, you know, mm. because Hurricane Maria happened in 2017. I started there in 2018. So I just missed an opportunity to go down and help. And what was interesting is that at the time that Hurricane Maria was happening, you know, the, the local chapter was looking to send people down. And, uh, you know, what they always came across was the issue of, of language and, you know, having people with the right skill set. So, um, I just missed that opportunity. And, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those things that just really harped on me. Like, like the whole time that I sat there just going through training and stuff like that, I'm like, man, I wish I had been here a few months earlier. Yeah. Help people through that situation. So here comes the beginning of 2020 or the end of 2019, right? We hear about these earthquakes that are happening. And, um, you know, I start talking to, to my boss and, um, I'm asking, Hey, are they sending people like, you know, like I want to go, I need to go. Like, I feel like I really need to go. We all felt that way. <laughs> you know? So, um, he said, Hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, you know, we'll see what happens. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was sitting down and watching football. Um, and I had taken a nap and I get a phone call and it's like, Hey, pack your bags. You're going to Puerto Rico. They need you down there. I, I said, I'm on the next plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, Monday, Tuesday, I actually got down there. And, um, you know, for me, it's like I had I had never really been down to Puerto Rico before. So this was a completely new experience for me. Like I'd been down to the Dominican Republic growing up and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but never, never been down to Puerto Rico. So it was it was, you know, I, I, I kind of went and I felt a little nervous because my thought was like, well, what's it going to be like? Like, how do I get around and stuff like that? But the interesting thing is that as friends of mine found out that I was going you know, those, those first, those last days before I left, they gave me maps. They were like, you got to go here, you know, check on my relative that lives there, go, go to this place, go to that place. Oh, wow, wow. So, so it's like, you know, everybody was so supportive of me through that process. And then I get there and, and, and I had this feeling of like, man, this feels familiar, you know, cause I guess, you know, just being in the Dominican before it kind of felt like, it, it kind of felt it like I had been here before. Very similar. Oh, extremely and, and similar. I, and at the same time, it felt like, and I was meant to come down here and help people. Mm-hmm. So we get down there and, um, you know, the first couple of days we're down on the Southern co- on the Southern coast and, and it's just devastation. I mean, we, we pulled into Juanica that first afternoon and just seeing buildings demolished and school buildings and, you know, um, government buildings, houses, you know, uh, on their, on their sides, completely demolished people. But, but the thing that really stuck with me was people's resolve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, these are people that they still had blue tarps on their roofs from hurricane Maria. And they just had like the best 
attitude about things. They were like, oh my God, you know, I'm alive. You know, I could replace a house. I could do this, whatever. And, you know, for something that, you know, us, us here on the mainland, it would like completely depress us and really make us feel bad. I mean, a lot of these people were just so happy to be alive and they were just so encouraged that there were people who came from, you know, Pennsylvania, from Idaho, from California to stand by their side and help them and, and, and just give a hug. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just yeah. hear their story or, or, or just be there and make their kids laugh and, and, and give them a bottle of water. And, you know, those things really stuck with me. And, you know, I came back with just such a profound gratitude for what I have, mm -hmm. because here are people who lost everything and, you know, they, 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 they have such an outlook on life, a positive outlook. So I'm going to tell you a really cool, a, a really cool thing that happened <laughs> down there. You know, um, I, I get to this house um, and um, what struck me about this house is it had a sign. It said um, 20 people, six adults, four elderly, three children, two dogs. Right. And they all had tents on the front lawn. And that's where everybody was sleeping because they were told, don't sleep in your house because there could be stru structural issues with the house. Mm -hmm. right? So I go down there, we're talking with the family, you know, we're providing them with, um, you know, emotional counseling, we're providing them with food and other resources and things like that. And then one of the ladies, she's like, she's like, thank you so much for coming. Like, like, where did you come from? And I said, well, you know, um, I live in Pennsylvania. And she says, that's interesting. Like I have a, I have a nephew who lives in Pennsylvania. Like where, where in Pennsylvania do you live? I said, well, you know, near, near Bethlehem, Allentown. He's like, she's like, oh my God, he lives there. Like he, he's on the radio over there. And, oh and my I'm, God. And I'm like, who's your nephew? She's like, she's like, Guillo Loquillo. He's my nephew. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, you're kidding me. I know him. So wow. I get, I get on the phone with Guillo and I'm like, Guillo, I'm at your aunt's house. Wow. And, and he almost lost it. He was like, Thank you so much. We had not been able to get in touch with her. Wow. You just, you know, you just helped me have a sense of relief, you know? And again, that all goes back to this sense of community, right? Mm -hmm. That we're all in it to help each other. But it's, it's just amazing that, you know, you, you go out thinking that you're helping, you know, just people down there. But that's just an example, like how, how you're able to help even people over here mm -hmm. to have a sense of relief that their family members are okay. So, yeah, I mean, Puerto Rico was just like, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and then the thing is, you're down there, you're told everybody has to stay out of their house. And then I come back and COVID starts and we're told everybody has oh to stay gosh. in their house. Yeah, yeah, geez. Okay. So it was it was an interesting 2020 for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, an interesting couple of years. But uh, but yeah, man. That's and again, Red Cross. Thank you so much uh, to them. Uh, just an organization that has been there time and time again um, when it comes to every natural disaster um, in our country and continues to raise money and continues to help people. Uh, it's just an amazing. I, I can't imagine the logistical um, endeavor that that organization has to, has to put together every time and, and does it, um, I would say with ease, that's what it looks like. I'm pretty sure behind the scenes, it's not. <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, the, the thing that really makes it work is the fact that there are people who volunteer their time mm. you know, because for, for every one employee or staff member, there's 10, 11, 12, 13, 20 volunteers out mm -hmm. there doing wonderful. Doing 
actual work. So and there and uh, again, those volunteers, man. Whew. God bless them. God bless them. So fast forward, we are now uh, back in back in PA, and I see uh, on LinkedIn and on social media that my friend AJ Swirl uh, is now the director of communications at PBS Thirty Nine and. 91.3, right? WLVR, Lehigh Valley, NPR. Did I get yep. it right? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that, man. I'm excited about that. I already see, and, and again, PBS is wonderful. I, they, always, they always had great energy. They always put out a professional, professional product and just a wonderful uh, organization. But there is a, there's a sense of energy now that, that I'm seeing a little bit of a shift. So tell us about that, man. How does that come about? Yeah, you know, as as great as the American Red Cross was in terms of an experience, um, you know, until you walk in somebody's shoes, you don't understand all all the, the intricacies of it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, going to Puerto Rico was was an amazing experience. Um, I also got to go down to Oregon and uh, out to Oregon for wildfires. Um, I I went to Orlando for hurricanes, and those deployments. I mean, you're away from your family two weeks, three weeks at a time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I know that you can understand this because you were in the military. I mean, mm-hmm. what it's like to be deployed and the toll that it takes on your family. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I understood that I couldn't sustain that forever. You know, that I couldn't, I couldn't be um, out away from my family every fall or every winter or whenever something happened. I really to have, had to have more of a sense of stability. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the, thing that I, the, the one thing that I truly learned while I was there is my passion for the local community. You know, so what I told myself is that I want the next thing to truly be centered around serving the local community. Um, and so when the, when the opportunity opened up with, with PBS and, and 91.3 WLVR, that's exactly what I saw. I mean, and, and as I sat down there and I listened to them describe the opportunity, it's like, hey, we need somebody to help us connect with our community. We need someone to help us identify organizations that we could be working with, that we could be partnering with, that we could be doing things with. And I just sat there and I was like, down my alley. That's, 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 that's the mission. You know, um, I think that I think that God places you in, in, in certain places at certain times for certain things. And, and, and it's up to you to kind of have that discernment and that understanding of where it is that, that God is taking you in life. And, mm-hmm. and I know that my thing was serving the community, um, but I wanted to serve my local community. So my kids were excited to see me hang up my bag <laughs> and, and not ha- and, and put away the luggage and not have to go anywhere and know, hey, dad's coming home every night, yeah. but I'm going to be doing significant work in, in the Valley. And I truly have enjoyed getting out and, you know, connecting with, with organizations and just looking at what are the ways that we can make people's lives here in the Lehigh Valley better, not just here in the Lehigh Valley, but, you know, in Berks County, you know, in, in, in Western New Jersey, like the area that we cover, um, as, as an organization. And, um, you know, like I said, 2021 was exciting because we, we, we started moving things in a different direction, but I know in 2022, we're going to do so many more things. So I'm, I'm super excited about just the, the opportunities that, that are coming about in working with the community. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this, uh, the, the stuff that I'm seeing now, you know, just even most recently with your mayoral debate, I mean, you put together a wonderful platform of being able to speak to a Latino community in such a professional manner that, that it's beyond me. What, again, the logistics behind that and, and just the, the production, everything, uh, finding the interpreter. I mean, it's just, it's beyond me. It's wonderful. It looks great. And um, it's just such a professional way of doing it. And it's just your team over there is doing a great, great job. And, and again, I see, I see the shift in energy. Not, not that there, there wasn't any positive energy over there. They, they had, they had a good, uh, that ship was moving, uh, but now they have you uh, working together with them. So it's phenomenal. Uh, and it's but great. I'm not going to take all the credit. I'm not going to no, take no, all for the credit. For sure. For sure. I think that, you know, leadership um, has, has made that commitment. And, um, you know, so from the top up, you know, our senior leadership, they, they made a commitment to, you know, really listen and hone in to what the community is asking. Um, you know, it's, it, it was, it was interesting. I had, um, I was, I was in the office last week. I was one of the only people in there and the CEO was in the building. Right. So he's like, Hey, why don't you and I go to lunch? I'm like, okay, fine. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> We're sitting there and you know, he's picking my brain. Cause he wants to know, like, you know, what is it that the community needs? Like, wh wh where do you see opportunities? And I, the first thing I told him is like, look, we really need to continue to make inroads with our Latino community. Like mm -hmm. um, they need programming. They need, um, they need, you know, resources. They, they need uh, a place where they can gather and really, feel like they can be connected. Um, and, and he completely agreed, you know, and it, it's just that willingness to have the conversation, to continue the conversation, but also be intent about listening to what the community partners are saying, you know, um, Hispanic center of the Lehigh Valley, they, they, they approached us, you know, early in the summer to talk to us about COVID hesitancy and saying, Hey, you know, we want to put a program together. We worked with them to do a program in Spanish, you know, to talk to people about wonderful, of, of the vaccine. And, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about other opportunities. We had Hispanic Heritage Month and put a whole campaign around that. But the thing is, we're not doing these things as one-offs, you know, to, to check off a box. It really is a commitment to really embrace the diversity of our community um, and, and really be kind of like that hub where people can gather and really celebrate the fact that we're different, but we have commonalities, even though we're different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, when I worked with the PLA convention uh, as the marketing manager, um, the, to, to the first three years, um, of course, you know, as you know, I've, I've taken a step back uh, from a lot of boards and, and just trying to trying to, you know, work on my health and, and just do some other things. But but I noticed that PBS uh, did come to Lancaster and, and, and was involved in Bethlehem and went to Reading, um, the, the virtual, when we had, the, they had the virtual and then most recently in Reading again, and you could see the commitment. Um, and, and we talked about it at the P Latino convention a lot, no, um, Norman Bristol and councilwoman Olga Negron, um, talked about it all the time, you know, 1 million strong in Pennsylvania. If, and I, and I tell this to folks on LinkedIn all the time, I say this, if you're not marketing to Latino community and you don't see the shift in numbers when it comes to that, that's a growing population then you're going to be behind the curve. Um, and so not that, not that PBS is marketing, but PBS is trying to reach um, that community as well. And, and I, and I commend all of you for that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think that um, there, there, there is a, there is a gap, you know, I'm going to take off my PBS hat for a second and I'm just going to talk in general. As, as, you know, I got you. I got you. What I, what I see as a media person is 
there, there really is a, a gap and gaps are opportunities that somebody needs to fill in, you know, and um, with the Hispanic community, I mean, a lot of what you see is, um, you know, people wanting to sell you cars, people wanting to sell you, you know, this and the other thing and rice and food and restaurants and, and that's fine. But there is a, there is, there is a, a space there for, for impartial information you know, for truly neutral news information in Spanish that I think that many people in the Valley that are in the news business need to explore. Because I think that one of, one of, the, one of the things that we're seeing right now with the pandemic is just the spread of misinformation, mm-hmm. right? Social media is a, great, is a great thing. It allows us to remain connected, but at the same time, it can be a very evil tool because it also allows um, false information to get out quickly you know, and then, and then you ask people like, well, where did you hear that? I mean, like, who told you that? Oh, I saw it on a meme or I saw it on this or I saw it on the other thing. And there's really no understanding of how to distinguish what's factual news versus what's what's a rumor. So I think there's an opportunity to educate our people, you know, and, and I think, again, it goes putting my PBS hat back on again. It goes back on to, um, you know, as an organization, one of the things that we seek to do is engage in civics, you know, so what are the things that are important for the Hispanic community? It's understanding that elections are important, every single one of them. The census is important, every single one of them. You know, that you being you being in the know as to what's happening in your city, understanding when meetings are happening at City Hall, understanding when meetings are happening in municipality, what decisions are being made, how those decisions affect you, you know, how those decisions affect your taxes. Absolutely. You know, all these other things. It's so important to be there present, you know, but the only way that people are going to be there present is if they know more about how these things impact them and the importance of them being present. Yeah, man. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And I, and I hundred percent agree. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's communication, you know, it's your forte communication. Communication is key and especially in any community, white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. All in our entire community, you, being able to communicate and then effectively, because, you know, we see folks trying to communicate or trying to put out information. And again, it's just not effective, but to do it at the level that you are doing it, man, I, I, I see a, I see a wonderful, wonderful movement uh, going on. I, with I, PBS. I have to give you your own too, man, because you know, <laughs> one of the things that people don't understand because they haven't been around us is, yeah. you know, we talk about a lot of our commonalities, right? Growing up. And I, I, I remember that you talked about your dad and how your dad was just so into radio and communications from an early age. Yeah. So let me tell you a quick story about my dad. Um, you know, no, we're like dad, twins. Hold on. We're like twins. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, You're my like, twin brother. Separated at birth or something. But, uh, you know, the, the, one of the interesting things with my dad is that, um, you know, he grew up in the Dominican during a dictatorship, right? Um, through Hio regime was one of the worst in Latin America. Wow. Uh, and, and he grew up during that time, right? He was formed during that time. So my grandfather pulled my dad out of school when my dad was in fifth grade. Wow. And since he was in fifth grade, he basically had to work, you know, in carpentry and, you know, furniture and stuff like that. Um, but my dad's dream was always to be a journalist. It was always to be like in the communications field. And so he kind of grew up with that frustration of like not being able to do that. 
Um, and I and I can remember when I was young, you know, sitting at home in the living room, he had this microphone that he would plug into the record player. <laughs> That's and great. He would, and he had these records, right, like from uh, parades and stuff like that. And he would just pretend like it's the Rose Parade, and you know, where here goes the float from such and such country, blah blah blah. And he would start talking about it, and then he would pass me the mic and say, you know, I would I would do his color, right? I was doing yeah. color commentary, yeah. but. It's just funny how, like, from that very young age, it's like I kind of felt an affinity for for communication and and for broadcasting, you know. And bring it full circle, here we are, you know, <laughs> you know, all these years later, and and you and I are both doing it, you know. Um, I, I think that that's those are the beautiful things um, that this time period is, is is creating is these opportunities for people. So. I, I get on my soapbox with people who are our age and I tell them, look, there's no reason why you can't pursue your dream. You know, it took me till I was mid age to actually get back into school and really pursue hard after what I wanted to truly do in life, but anybody can do it. And I think that it's important for people within our community to do it because like I said, there is that, there's that vacuum, there's that void for 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 journalism in spanish and the only way we're going to fill it is if we have spanish-speaking journalists you know mm. people have that passion and have that drive you know we we've got victor martinez here in the valley he's great he's amazing but he's one person you know we mm -hmm. got she's one person we need an army of people we genesis genesis yeah, yeah we, genesis and you know i i, I love working with her she is amazing she is a, a a true and consummate professional um you know but we need more people like mm -hmm. that we, yeah. we need we need to broaden the army you know we need to get people in in newspaper journalism we need to get people in uh you know on on blogs we need to get you know but, but not just anybody who just wants to sit down there and get noticed it's people who who actually have a passion for journalism and, and not just any journalism, but, but, but truly neutral journalism so that our community can learn more and become better educated to make better decisions. Absolutely, man. Investigative journalism is not, not a saying it's a thing of the past, but, uh, you know, we, we really need it in our community, um, Latino community, because we need to be, like you said, we need to be able to put out that information that is correct and factual and, and uh, it's needed. So, man, I commend you on that, man. It's, a, it's great to see. Um, I'm always looking forward now to, and, and before too, I remember being a kid, a uh, quick story, uh, my mom, and I tell this story, uh, you know, when I ran, when I, when I ran for mayor, um, true story, mom, I love you. <laughs> I'm going to tell the story. Uh, so my mom learned English watching Sesame street and Mr. Rogers. Oh man. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that is the fourth time that I've heard that. Yeah. I kid you not. I kid you not. The, the, the month that we were putting together these spots for Hispanic heritage, I was just thinking like, what am I going to ask these people? Like, I'm going to ask them about how their kids learned, you know, and they're like, you know, like, like Olga and, and Juan, you know, uh, Juan Martinez. They're like, no, that's how I learned English. I was yes. like, George, I was watching Sesame Street. I was Mr. Watching Rogers. Yeah. Like, I was just so amazed because you, you think that the impact of, of shows like that is, is limited to just kids, but mm. there are people who came from Puerto Rico, people who came from Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah. Because you got to keep your kid calm. So what do you do? You put him in front of the TV water. at the time yeah. and you're watching Sesame street and Mr. Rogers. And before you, and you know, Sesame street, right? Obviously they spoke Spanish sometimes there. So it was very, it was very, uh, 
Um, yeah, Maria Luis. Yeah. 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 She spoke Spanish sometimes. So it was like, yeah, it was like they were embracing. Oh, yes. Hablaba español también. Oh, porque bueno. I want my kid watching this. So, so yeah. So that's true. You know, my mom and, uh, and now, I mean, she can, she's, she's good, you know, so many years later and, and, uh, about to retire hopefully soon from, from St. Luke's. But, uh, but yeah, man. So that's, uh, that's a quick story of my mom and, uh, and uh, my dad as well. My dad, uh, he learned English. My dad, were, you know, obviously worked in warehouses and, and, and met a lot of people. But uh, but uh, my mom, yeah, that's how she learned uh, English. It's pretty cool. No, talking um, about talking about how we grew up, though, in the shows that we watched, um, there was one thing that, you know, that, that, that I know I wanted to share. Um, I remember growing up um, and I don't know if this was your experience, but, you know, we, there were shows that my mom watched like Sabado Gigante. You know, um, she used to watch, um, you know, the news on novelas. novelas yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but every single day, every single day, she she used to watch um, Despierta America. Mm. Right. Because that was kind of like our version of Good Morning America. So um, cool thing happened last year. Um, last year, Hurricane Laura happens down in Texas. And mm. um, I'm up here in the Northeast. Just so happened that that one week I was covering um, our national, um, advanced public affairs, um, you know, at the, at the Red Cross and I get a call and uh, it's like, Hey, um, tomorrow morning, you're going to be on Univision. I'm like, eh. I'm like, okay. You know, cause I'm thinking it's the Philly station, right? It's like, it's Univision 65. Okay. You know, just let me know when so-and-so is going to call me. No, no, no. This is national Univision. Wow. Despierta America. Jeez. To me, to me, that was like the full circle moment. Wow. Because that took me back to when I was that seven-year-old kid sitting in front of the TV and um, just looking at Jorge Ramos and looking at Maria Celeste and all these people who, yeah, to me, they were like my role models. Because I'm like, you know, here is somebody who looks like me, who speaks like me who's being respected as a professional on TV, not, not, not looked upon like a criminal or delinquent or anything like that, mm -hmm. but a, a positive Hispanic role model. Um, and then here I am last August doing a live hit from my backyard. Wow. On Despierta America. You know, I, it was just one of those moments where it's like, I, I know that there was some kid somewhere that watched that and said, you know what, if he can do it, I can probably do it too. Maybe. And, and those are the moments that on this half now, those are the moments that I live for is to kind of inspire the next generation not to, to think of themselves as something more than they think of themselves, not to mm. see themselves in, in a greater light. And that's why, you know, um, I, I, I look at opportunities that perhaps other people get intimidated by. And I said, you know what? I'll try walking through that door because the, the worst thing that could happen is they could say no. Right. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with, with, with somebody saying no, because no is no is just clarity. Right. That's all it is. It's just, okay. No, no is just a correction back to you finding your, your true way. Absolutely. The question is what if they say yes? <laughs> exactly. And then the, sh and then the show begins. <laughs> Right. That's right. So. Amazing. Amazing. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. I only got a couple more questions, but perfect segue. So question I asked all my guests, um, obviously the reason I asked it uh, when I was 19, 18, 19, struggled a lot, um, just like many other 18, 19 year olds. I'm not alone, but uh, for me personally, and I would love to have some advice. Um, 
AJ, 19, one piece of advice or some advice you would give to AJ at 19 if you could, knowing everything you know now? You know, what's interesting is that what I would ask or tell myself at 19 are the same things that I'm asking, telling myself now. Wow. I feel like I'm entering a new chapter of my life. So 18, 19 is, is, is a special age for many people because it's kind of when you enter adulthood, right? It, it's leaving behind adolescence and childhood and really evolving into an adult. And so I think that that happens at 19, but then it happens again when you jump into your 40s, you know, where you really have to ask yourself some of the same questions as when you're 19. And, 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 and the question is, what, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Mm. And, and why? You know, and the thing is, like, when you're 19, a lot of it is, yeah, I want to make money. You know, because I want to buy stuff, because I want to do stuff, because I want to go places, I want to travel. Um, but right now in this, in this part of my life, it really is more about how can I make the most of my time to help as many people as I can. Fantastic. Because that is really, that's really the motor. That's what wakes me up in the morning is knowing that there's somebody that I can help. Mm. It's up to me to help that person. Absolutely. Um, I get more joy, more satisfaction out of that than anything else in this point in life. And that's why, you know, I look for opportunities to serve in the community. I look for opportunities to serve on boards because I, I, I genuinely think, and I believe each one of us has something that we can contribute to make this a better community. Mm. I'm tired about, I'm tired of complaining about stuff. It's, it's, it's time for us to actually get involved in bringing solutions and being a part of the solution in showing up and lending a hand when help is needed to form the solution. So the questions I'm asking myself right now is how can I make the best use of my time to help the most people I can? Fantastic. There's a, there's a 19 year old kid right now that needed to hear just help people yeah. you help people. And you'll see it, all these other opportunities just open up. Right, it comes full circle, man. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I just see like the opportunities that I've been afforded in life are things that I mean, I have friends that are like, man, how do you get so lucky to do this and to do that? <laughs> and and my answer is like, you know what? I live a charmed life yeah. because I because the thing is that w- what drives me is a profound sense of of helping people, mm-hmm. but in return. I have this gratitude about life because I don't think that anything is owed to me. I don't think that any I'm entitled to anything. I, I, I truly feel that the things that I get in life are a result of what I put out. Absolutely. What Absolutely. You, the, energy, the energy that you put out in life is what's going to come back to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my friends <laughs> will say to me, same, similar, similar to you, but they'll be like, man, how the heck are you cycling 60 miles in New Jersey, New York over to George Washington <laughs> Bridge like a maniac? I'm going to ask you the same thing because I see your videos sometimes, man. And I'm like, I'm like, Lewis, how are you doing that, man? <laughs> my brother, my brother, uh, he's, he's really big into mountain biking and, and things like that. And he tells me I'm crazy because, but, but I, I don't spend a lot of time on the road. It just, 
you know, perception is not reality, right? So I pick a lot of spots that are safe, you know, trail riding or not necessarily trail, but because I do a lot of road biking, but, you know, paved trail. So, uh, you know, when you get, and you, you know, New, New Jersey, New York, you, know, you, you were uh, born and raised over there. You go over the bridge, follow the Hudson, you're going to hit a little bit of the, a little bit of, of road where you got to be super careful because everybody's driving crazy. Um, ironically, ironically though, they're used to cyclists. So if you pay attention and you do what you got to do, you have a better shot and then you, you make your way over to central park. And now for those that don't know, central park is locked down. There's no cars uh, at all. Um, and I, I don't know when that started. Um, maybe, you know, but it's six miles in that loop. So you can spend your whole day there and do 20 some miles. You know, of course I did on the New Jersey side, that nine W route. And, uh, but yeah, but my friends, long story, my friends, <laughs> that's what they say to me, man, but, uh, fantastic man. And, and again, uh, like you said, man, you just got to give back and, and, and that's the most important thing. Um, and I, and I, and as at 40 or 20 or 19, I mean, that goes for all of us, man, you know, and, and, and uh, it goes, it goes for 60 year olds, man. It's like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, it's never too late to start man. on whatever it is that you're passionate about. You know, the, the, the worst thing that you could ever do is get to the end of your life with regret. You know, um, I, you, someone told me uh, while I was back in high school that I should go and spend time with people in a nursing home so that I can see that the things that are stressful for most people my age are really trivial when you get down to the end of your life. You know, like mm. whether somebody liked you in high school, whether somebody... <laughs> you know, let you, let you on social media, whatever the case is, all that mm -hmm. stuff is so trivial. And, and unfortunately, so many people steer away from following what they really want to do because of people's approval or people's acceptance. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the older we get, the, the more confident we become, you know, but at the same time, uh, we understand that, seeking approval from people, you're never going to seek people. You're never going to get people's approval because the people who are closest to you, those are going to be the, the, the ones who support you the least when you want actually go out and do that thing that you want to do. Sometimes mm -hmm. strangers support you more easily than your own family. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cause that's just the way it is. But you know, you really have to, you have to go after what you want. I mean, life is too short to, you know, seek approval from other people, just chase after your dreams, follow your dreams, put the energy in, to the world that you want to get back and good things will happen. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We see it time and time again. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, so real quick, two more questions. And I, and I swear it's only two more questions. Um, so good, music, music, I, I, I follow your TikTok. Um, obviously I follow you on, on a lot of other things, but there's two things I know you sound and you, you sound like you're uh you could work at ESPN sports center. First of all, <laughs> um, with, uh, I think you follow the Jets, right? Do you like yeah, the Jets? Yeah, 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 the Jets, yeah. So, so I see that popping up sometimes. I'm like, man, this guy could be a sports center anchor. No problem, right? If they ever had the competition come back where they had folks come in and, and try, man, you hands down, I think you got it. And then, you know, something though, uh, interesting thing about sports center that you mentioned uh, um, when I was 15 years old, I met Stuart Scott. What? On a subway. Oh, my yeah. God. That is and, I'll, and I'll never forget it. Never forget it. It's like I was going uptown and he pops in and I'm like, Stuart's got, and, and the back then nobody knew who he was. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so I was like, I just said, booyah. Oh, snap. That is dope. So he takes the subway, right? I, I heard that. I heard he takes the subway. 
Yeah, he turned back around. And that night when he was doing his Mets highlights, he said, you know, shout out to the guy on the train. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, man. He was the best, man. He started all that. I mean, well, there were some other folks who had some some great shout outs and some great things, but but he was he's a legend, man. God bless him. Sure is. He sure yeah. is. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, if ESPN comes knocking, yeah, <laughs> hey, you never know, man. That's cool. Um, so that and then music. So so tell us a little bit about the, the stuff you like to do in music, man, because I think it's wonderful. I love to see your work. Like I told you uh, in the pre-show, you, you have this soul about you. You have like uh, this New Orleans soul uh, music about you. Tell us about that, man. Interesting thing, man. Well, first of all, I'm the middle child of three. Right. So I have an older brother, 10 years older than me. Um, and uh, my mother comes from a very musical family. I have 20 aunts and uncles, and most of them play some instrument, right? So when my mother gets married, there's this pressure that all her kids have to be musicians, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. But my, my brother didn't take to music, so she kind of doubled down on me and made sure that I learned to play music. So I, I picked up the piano at seven. Um, I took piano lessons for 12, 13 years. Wow. Uh, and... Um, you know, I didn't really enjoy it un until I, I learned that I could actually make money from playing music. Wow. So uh, most of my most of my adolescence, I kind of supplemented, you know, work with playing gigs and, you know, playing in places in New York and whatever. But, um, you know, again, growing up in a diverse neighborhood, I was surrounded by so many different types of music like reggae, gospel, soul, you know, R&B. So I grew up around that sound. And that's kind of like what I learned to play. And that's to this day what I enjoy playing. I love it, man. I love to see your tick. I love to see your work, man. And it because it's it brings that level of uh humanity. Like you know, we meet people, we see them at events, we hug each other, we take pictures, we take selfies, and then you know, we go on to the next thing and the next thing, or the next gala, or this, that, right? There's a gala coming up, the GLAs uh that are coming up, and we're gonna see each other there. But then when you see that that those personal things. Right. Like that important thing, that music uh, or that artist like Regal, um, that to me is, is just wonderful. I love to see it and I love to share it. Um, so that's no, cool, even man. Though, even though I don't do it professionally, for me, it creates an appreciation for, for artists, you know, because I understand what goes into really chasing after that. And, you know, I, I understand that not everybody is is ultra successful at being like a global artist right but, mm -hmm. but success looks at different ways i mean sometimes just being known in your community as that person you know that that's some people's version of success so yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah. Oh, no, i i see pianos all the time like aj <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a piano actually on uh in south bethlehem right right uh right on the street there on third um so sometimes when i'm walking to the starbucks i'll just stop and oh that's so cool that's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. You should put a hat out, put a my hat out and then give yeah, them money too. Like, yeah. They're like, you totally need to have a hat. So, yeah. You gotta have a hat and then you just take the money and donate it to Red Cross yeah, full go. circle. All right. So real quick, um, tell us uh, what's next, you know, what's next, man. And what's next with PBS? What's next for AJ? Any, anything we need to know, anything you don't, you can't reveal yet. <laughs> well, working on a couple of things, but um, you know, I'll just say this, like one of one of my passions um, for a, for a while has kind of been teaching, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of 
I'm, I'm, I'm starting to explore what that would look like. You know, um, I, I had some people approach me and say, like, wow, you you're really good at explaining things and uh, getting people to understand things. So it's kind of made me wonder, like, you know, should I look into teaching like mm-hmm. and where? So yeah. stay tuned to see what comes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it means that I have to stop doing what I'm doing. I think that I could do what I'm doing and still, you know, take some time to teach, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the field that I'm in, um, I've been taught by other people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and other people have put time into getting me to understand the in- intricacies of, of communications and public affairs. Um, and maybe there's an opportunity in there, you know, to kind of teach the next generation, like more about communications in general. So, um, that's definitely something I'm looking to pursue. And um, as you know, I, I joined the, the Hispanic chamber, um, as a board. Congratulations. Member. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I, I think that, um, there's definitely an opportunity there to help a lot of our Hispanic business owners, Hispanic businesses grow and in, into understanding the opportunities that are out there right now. Um, you know, like we talked about with the demographics of the growing Hispanic population, um, it means, it means more opportunity for business, but it also means that these businesses have a greater opportunity to influence their, their communities and do good for their communities. So what does that look like? Sometimes it really is, you know, bridging those businesses with the nonprofits that they could, that they could help. So I see an opportunity there in that, you know, obviously I know a lot of the Hispanic business owners, but having now been experienced with nonprofits and understanding the difference between nonprofit business and a for-profit business, you know, and explaining, you know, to each group what they're looking for and bridging mm-hmm. that gap. Those, you know, those are the things that I'm looking to, to do next year and, you know, continue to grow our, our, our presence as far as helping the Hispanic community. So stay tuned, um, you know, and I'm going to see you at the GLAs. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. For those that don't know, um, um, GLA sold out. Uh, I think this is like uh, how many years in a row sold out. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, shout out to Yamalisa, Isa, um, just everybody on that team to just continue this. For those of you who don't know, Golden Latin Awards is a uh, um, a yearly event uh, where we have a gala and they uh, they recognize folks in the community, whether it's an organization, a nonprofit, a teacher, students uh, that have done uh, wonderful in our community. And then there's a several, several uh, folks um, are put in different categories and then the community votes and decides who uh, who deserves to be recognized, but they all deserve to be recognized. Um, they all, you know, done great, great work in the community. So if you don't win a Golden Latin Award this year, not a big deal. You all still did great. And the most important thing is that you help people like we talked about earlier. So last question, I promise, where can folks find you, man? Uh, social media, website, um, if somebody wanted to contact AJ, how would they go about it? Yeah, man. So I'm on a lot of the things, right? Uh, so Facebook, it's um, just just look up uh, AJ Swero um, in Instagram, AJ dot uh, Twitter at AJ Swero. Um, and I think the TikTok is AJ dot in case you want to watch the piano videos. And <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, stuff like that. So yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. So just Google AJ Swero, man, you'll find <laughs> <laughs> I'm around. I'm, you know, and the thing is, like most people, 
you know, nowhere to where, nowhere to find me. They they find me. Believe me, I know they find me. Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. I got you. Well, listen, man. Thank you so much for coming on episode twenty three. Uh, I think you, uh, you know, you you dunked you dunked pretty good like MJ did back in the day. So uh, twenty three, a good one, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. We talked about a lot of good things, and 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 most importantly, man, got to know a little bit more about AJ. And uh, so folks can can connect with you in, in a different way. We can slow down a little bit, right? It's a podcast, so we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we live these busy lives. So uh, I want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart, man. Honor to have you on number 23. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the invite. And, um, you know, thanks for everything that you do, Luis, in the community. Um, you know, you're, you're such a big part of everything happening here in the Lehigh Valley. Completely appreciate the invite again. Thanks, boss. There you have it, folks. Number 23 is in the house. Like I always say, stay connected.